Praise the Lord. Well, I want to share with you a, a subject today, which I entitled, When Will We Share the Nature of Christ? Maybe you wonder, what does that mean? When will we share the nature of Christ? Okay, God has called us to share the nature of Christ. But it should not be something done in secret. It should not be some, done something just behind closed doors or even on Sunday morning on, in, in a church service. But we are called to share the very nature that Christ has given to us. We all know that, you know, there's an old nature in every one of us. We have been born into this world as fallen people, as people who have gone astray. You know, the Bible is very clear about that, very categorical, uh, that we all have gone astray like sheep and we need to be rescued, we need to be saved. And that's why Jesus came to do exactly that. And he wants us not only, you know, to have a one-time experience where we say, now I'm saved, but he wants us to be transformed constantly as we walk with him, as we are in his presence we need to see our nature being transformed into the likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the world around us needs us to share the nature of Christ. There's a lot of uh, things that happen in our world, and uh, the nature of evil is seen quite evidently all over. You know, you just open the newspaper, you find so many stories about the nature of man, the fallen nature of man. The troubles, the trials, the, the tribulations, the, the malice, the hatred, and all these things that are uh, falling into this category. <clears throat> and that's why, you know, we who are called out of darkness into the wonderful light, and that's what uh, church is all about. Church is the word ecclesia, meaning called out of darkness into his light. Uh, we are to share the nature of Christ with the people around us. Jesus was very clear that we are the light of the world. That means where we are, there should be illumination. Uh, Jesus said we are the salt of the earth, which means where we are, there is uh, not tasteless stuff happening all the time, but there is something that is alive and well. And uh, that's what God has called us to do. And this is what we want to study this morning. <clears throat> Let me take you to the book of uh, Romans, <clears throat> chapter 8, verse 29. <clears throat> Romans 8, 29. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Okay, God chose us, God chose you, and uh, the choosing is not just to, you know, make you somebody better than others. No, the, the, the choosing of God is that you become like Christ, okay? You are to become like the son of the living God because you are also a son, a child of the living God. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having been chosen... And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. So as sons of the living God, 
you know, that means we are able to be sons because God has chosen us, even before the foundation of the world. That's what the Bible tells us very clearly. And as we are chosen, we are <clears throat> called to be with him. Okay, we are called to be on his side. We are called to be walking with him uh, and in his footsteps. And as we are called with him, to, to be with him, we will have the right standing in this world. And that's what we require. We need the right standing in a world of uh, evil, in a world of darkness, so that our light can shine into this world. <clears throat> and having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. So, as you can see, uh, called into the presence of, or called to be sons of God, means that we are called to be with him, called to have the right standing, called to be uh, endowed with the glory of God. That's an amazing uh, revelation. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. The Bible reads here, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who are with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God calls us into his presence so that with, with our, in our walk with Christ, we are reflecting the glory of the Lord into our world, into the world of evil, in the world of darkness, in the world of... Uh, uh, disorientation, God has put us into this world to make a difference. And that's what this subject today is all about. When will we share the nature of Christ? That's the nature that God has given us when we came to know Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and when we became children of the Most High God. And of course, children must grow up into sonship and be able to share the nature of Christ with the world around us. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your presence today. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to yourself so that we are being transformed, so that we are being shaped, so that we are going to uh, let our light shine, the, shine, the very light that you shine into our hearts let it also shine into the world of darkness. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the right standing with yourself. Lord, we thank you that you are going to give us increasing glory, increasing light, increasing grace. Lord, guide us, speak to us. Let this word of life be able to have an impact and an influence on each and every one of us so that we all can be able to share the nature of Christ in our family, in our working place, in our uh, area where we live, in our sphere of uh, our friends and wherever we are moving. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this revelation that you give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God's purpose is that we are part of his divine family. That's what he created us for. You know, when God created us, he didn't create us to be somehow falling through the cracks of evil in this world, 
but he created us for himself. He created us that we are going to be part of the divine, eternal family. And that's what made God to give us abundant grace. And we have been talking about uh, God's grace in the last few weeks. Uh, and we see that God continuously lets the grace of God flow into our lives, into our hearts in a very amazing way. So God's grace is not falling short. It is uh, coming in fullness. And this grace is meant to give us a transformation, a change uh, that, that we require so that we are really worthy sons and daughters of the family of God. Now, Scripture says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, uh, this is the written account of Adam's line. Okay, Adam's line, that means we all come from Adam. God created man. <clears throat> he made him in the likeness of God. So God did not make us like any other creature which may be created in a certain, in a certain shape or form, but he made us in the likeness of God himself. And I think it's very important for us to hear this again and again. Yes, we may know it, uh, but uh, it is something that needs to become real. It needs to become part of us, you know, that we are made in the image and in the likeness of the living God. So not only were we just created as generic creatures, but we are created to be sons. We are created to be part of the family of God. So if you consider the nature of God, you know, then you should understand that this is the nature that God wants us to share and to have, okay? So we, we say, but this is impossible. God is uh, holy, God is righteous, God is everywhere. Yes, of course, that is true. But the Bible tells us very clearly in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter two, 9, 12, uh, <clears throat> Uh, in Matthew, rather, 5, verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So in other words, God wants us to share the nature of uh, himself. Okay? And I'm sure all of us who are children or who have children, you know, we see the nature of our children or, or ourselves in the nature of our children. Or if we are children, we see, you know, if we are considering carefully, that my parents are reflecting in me. Okay, sometimes when we are trying to be independent, we don't see that. But the longer we, we live in, in this earth, the more we realize that we are truly children of our parents. Okay, and their, their nature cannot be denied. And the same should be true uh, when we walk with Christ. The nature of Christ should never be denied in our, in our daily living. I think that's very important for us to comprehend. So God wants us to be fully integrated into his family so that we join in his enterprises, okay? Now imagine when we are going to be with God, we are going to be with him for eternity. Not just for a few years. Uh, you know, here on this earth we are going to live uh, a limited number of years. No matter how you turn it, most of us will not turn 100. 
okay, and even 100 years is a short time. Okay, imagine if you look back into uh, the deep history, Jesus was living 2,000 years ago. So 100 years is not a long time, isn't it? And if you think that some of us, we are not going to reach 100, in fact, most of us will not reach 100. It's not a secret, this is just average. Okay, in fact, the Bible says if you have the strength, you may be 70, maybe 80. Okay, maybe less. But by the way, it is. The number of years on this earth is limited. But the life that God has given to us in Christ is eternal. And so whatever you can be able to accomplish here is nothing in comparison, but God wants you to accomplish in his presence. Because development does not stop on this earth. In fact, development in this world is always limited, you know, because we would always love to do more, but we have not enough funds. We have, uh, you know, we run out of support uh, in one way or the other. Maybe some people who we started with are no longer interested in what we are trying to do. You know, whatever the case may be, we will always have certain hiccups when it comes to development. But in the presence of God, there is no such hiccup. Okay, and, and, and we will do exploits with God in eternity to come. Okay, sometimes you should take a moment to just imagine what that could be. In fact, if you read the Bible, there are some hints, not really uh, very clear descriptions, but there are hints of what God wants us to experience in eternity to come. So imagine we are privileged that we are not living a limited number of years, but we are having eternal life through Jesus Christ already here. Eternity is already with us. Praise God. Amen? Many people, they are looking forward to say, okay, uh, when I go to heaven. Actually, heaven is already here. If you have Christ in you, then you have heaven in you. Amen? There's this song which we sometimes sing, heaven is in my heart. Oh, 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 oh. heaven is in my heart. Oh, 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 heaven is in my heart. Why? Because Christ is in our hearts. Amen? And Christ lives eternally. And that's why we can be able to have life that never ends. And we do exploits. You know, we do the farthest enterprise. We are going of God. Things that we may not even be able to imagine at this moment in time. So, eternity is just the right place where the nature of every son can be able to unfold in its fullness. Okay, when I say son, it's not uh, a question of gender. It's a question of relationship to the Father, okay? We are all sons, male or female, doesn't matter. Okay, and by the time we are reaching the presence of God, there will be no more male and female. They will be all one in Christ. So only Christ can make us come back from the life of uh, sin and fallenness into our original purpose in God. Now, as human beings were falling uh, into sin, 
They were far removed from the presence of God. And of course, that was never God's intention. God always wanted to be close with us. You know, God never intended us to be separated by a wall that cannot be penetrated. Uh, but that's exactly what happened when we sinned. Sin became the wall that we human beings could not penetrate. Whenever, uh, you know, God wanted to speak to man, it needed God to overcome that wall of sin in order to come to us. And God did that every now and then. While we human beings could not walk into the presence of God anymore. You know, as a child, it's one of the most precious things that sometimes we don't value enough is that we can talk, you know, that we can walk to our father and mother and we express ourselves and say, oh, I have this problem, I have this need, can you help me with this? Can you give me guidance with, with my homework or whatever it is? We, we, we are free to come to our parents and that is the way it should be. And that's why, that's how it was when Adam was created by God and he was walking with God in the garden, you know, he was able to come to, to God and consult him over the things that he was seeing, over the things that he experienced. After all, he was, uh, he was created in order to take care as a steward of God's world. And, and there were a lot of things that Adam had to learn in the beginning. And he did that. He consulted with God. He spoke to God. He had, uh, he had enjoyed the presence of God uh, for some time. And we don't know how long that time was. Bible doesn't talk about it. It may have been years, it may have been months or weeks. Maybe it would have even been 50 years or 100 years, we don't know. Because at that time, time was not yet the way we experienced it after the fall into sin. But thank God, God was always committed to come to us human beings. And even when Adam and Eve fell, and they were in hiding, they were afraid to come to God, and even if they wanted to come to God, they could not have come to God because of their, their own sin that they had committed. But then God came to them. And let me, let me make this very clear. You know, God loves us so much that there will be no hindrance for his love to penetrate into our lives. No matter what we could have done, no matter how far we could have walked away from him, we are not too far away that God would not be able to reach us. He loves us with an everlasting love. He has got great plans. He has got great and wonderful, uh, you know, things that he keeps in store for his children. And, and that we should, we should uh, appreciate. So what we see is, God came to Adam and Eve, you know, uh, you know he, he came and he closed them. You know, he, he covered their nakedness. And their nakedness was, was a, 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 a sign and a symbol of them having lost the presence of God in their lives. And of course, God did that and does that all the time. Now, unfortunately, when, men, when humanity fell, you know, humanity now has, has lost the likeness to God. Okay, that's why 
you know, you see maybe only remnants of the likeness of God in human beings. But the, the real reflection of, uh, of, 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 of the nature of a fallen person is actually not God, but it's, it's Satan. Even Jesus said himself to some of the people who claim that God is their father. He says, your, your God, is not, God is not your father, but you do the works of your father who is the devil, okay? And that's what we see in our world today, okay? Like Satan, you know, people are living in wickedness, in greed. You know, they're doing ugly things. You can see the venom of, 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 of you know, the poison that penetrates every, every structure, every family uh, in, the, in the human race. You know, it's toxic all the way. And the Bible is clear, you know, it comes from, our, from the father uh, that people have chosen. And that father is Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Or he can also come as an angel of light in order to con people, in order to lead people astray. So, you know, you know a peer can come with a lot of darkness and he can try to, you know, appear as if he is an angel of light, which of course he is not. So he can appear wicked or he can appear good. And that's exactly in line with the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil that God said we should not eat from, okay? Because uh, many people think, okay, this is something good somebody is doing. But if, there is a, if there's a root that goes to Satan, then it can never be good. And of course, we can get a lot of promises that are empty, that are not meaningful at all from Satan. So we are not meant to any longer reflect the nature of Satan, but we are now called to reflect the nature of our Savior and Lord. If truly we are children of the Most High God, then it must be seen in our nature. It must be reflected in our nature. And that nature must be shared with the world around us. Let us understand that Jesus came close to us, okay? God did not stay far away in the heavenlies, but he sent his son to walk with us. And that is true even today. Yes, it was true, especially when he walked in the flesh on earth and when he finally went to the cross of Calvary and brought salvation for us. But it's still true even today because Jesus said where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst, okay? So God is still with us even today. He's walking with us. And as we walk with him, he changes our nature back to God's original intent. Okay, now let me give you an example. Uh, I'll, I'll take a, a bit of time to talk about the life of Abraham. Okay, Abraham is the father of our faith, and as the father of our faith, we learn from him. You know what Abraham has gone through, we should understand that's what God also wants us to go through. Let me read from the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verse 1. Genesis, chapter 22, verse 1. 
Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Okay, so uh, let me spreading on the face of the earth. Uh, unfortunately, it was not righteousness, righteousness that was spreading, but it was evil and wickedness that was spreading. And God sometimes had real difficulties to find people who would be willing to walk with him, who would be willing to relate to him. That was true in the past, and it's still true even today, unfortunately. It's still true today, okay? You know, it's one thing to become religious and make a lot of noise, uh, but it's another thing to really walk in the nature of our gods. And we see that in the days of Noah, when everything went from bad to worse, and evil and wickedness was taking an upper hand and God decided to bring judgment, God was still looking for the one person that would be able to listen to his voice and respond to him and walk with him. And that was Noah. And the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord together with his family. After the flood was over, and uh, again people were uh, multiplying, more or less the same situation repeated itself. People were walking their own ways of life. They forgot about God. They forgot about his goodness, his kindness, his love, about his plan for our lives. And then God started again, looking for somebody. And I, I don't know, I'm sure God would have talked to uh, to, to, to people here and there and people would not respond because God speaks to everyone. Even today, you know, we are preaching this gospel uh, all over the place, you know. The, uh, the, the, the gospel is being heard around the world but there are only small numbers who are responding to that gospel and uh, when I say respond to that gospel, I'm not saying, uh, you know, uh, small in the sense of absoluteness, you know. Uh, what we must understand when we have a crusade, we, have, we may see crowds coming to, to attend the crusade and they get excited about it. But when the crusade is over, we see that only few of those who came as a crowd continue walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reality, you know, whether we like it or not, but this is, this is the way it is. And it has been always like that. It has been even... Uh, like that during the days of, of Abraham. So eventually God would speak to Abraham. Okay, at that time he was still called Abraham, exalted father. Now when God found Abraham, okay, he was, he was living in a world which was full of idols. They were worshiping idols. They had no relationship to the living God in any way at all. But God spoke to this man. And as I said, maybe to many others, but we have the record of Abraham who responded to God's call. And you know, that's always the secret. It's not just hearing the word, but responding to the word and obeying the word and following the word. That's what counts at the end of the day. You know, having just a, a shallow response is not sufficient. So God called Abram out of this homeland where people were worshiping idols. And he says, leave your old 
world behind, okay, and follow me. You know, it's like saying, leave your old nature behind, leave your old home behind, leave the old way of life behind, and follow me. And, you know, when Abraham did that, it was a, a long journey of walking with Christ. And I say Christ because it was Christ, okay? Not Jesus, because Jesus was born as the Christ who became flesh in this world much later. But remember Jesus said to the, uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord, okay? So in other words, Abraham and the Christ, they had a relationship, okay? And, and, and Abraham was walking with Christ, even in, the, in those days. So as Abraham was beginning to walk with God, okay, God began to transform his life. It was not an instant thing. It was a gradual transformation. And that's exactly what God does with you and me. There's a gradual transformation taking place as we walk with Christ. We must allow God to do his work inside of us for us to be transformed, for us to be changed, for us to be Come, new people and reflect the nature of Christ in our speaking, in our acting, in everything we, we plan and do. And of course, that's a challenge because even Abraham had a lot of flaws. You know, he was not a perfect man. He made mistakes, but God never gave up despite those mistakes. And, and that's a good news for all of us because no matter how many flaws, how many shortcomings, how many, you know, difficulties we may have in our lives, you know, God does not give up on us. He, he still carries us and says, hang in, with, on, hang, hang in with me and I will change your life. So Abram began to change and reflect the nature of God more and more, increasingly more. And that's exactly what God is challenging us, you know. Uh, we have been reading in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18 that, you know, uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So in other words, when we walk with Christ, when we are guided by the Spirit of the Lord, when we receive the grace, the nature of God inside of us, we are being transformed. And that's exactly what happened to, to the life of Abraham. And then God changed his name. He changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. Not only exalted father, but father of many nations. And of course, today he's our father, the father of faith. And of course, he is referred to as a father by, by different nations in this world. Do you know, Scripture says, God tested Abraham. Do you know that we all go through the tests of God? Of course, we know tests and exams from our school days. You know, and you cannot qualify yourself if you are not willing to go through exams and tests. And the same is true when we walk with Christ. God tests us because he wants us to qualify. He wants us to reflect the nature of Christ. 
He wants us to be able to share that nature with the world. Okay? So God tested Abraham. So what did God have in mind with this test? Let us read. And he says, Abraham. And praise God. You know, one thing you can see in the life of Abraham, he was able to respond instantly. Okay? He was not somebody who says, okay, I've heard God saying, okay, maybe I will answer tomorrow or next week or whatever. No, when God called him Abraham, he says, here I am. That's availability. And the question, you know, that we should all ask ourselves, are we available? Not for our own agenda, but for the agenda of God. Okay, are we available? Because that's a test of, of God. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, this is outrageous. I mean, uh, a lot of people who don't understand the way God works are using that scripture to, you know, degrade the name of God. But we, we must understand that God has an agenda behind all of this that he's saying and doing here. God never wanted Abraham to kill his son. In fact, what we learn is that God tests. Would, would Abraham have learned to be like God? Would Abraham be able to walk in the footsteps of God? That's the question. And that's the question for all of us. When God comes to test us, and you know, sometimes you will not even be fully aware that there is a test coming to your life, and yet the test is there. So God tested Abraham. And Abraham was available. And Abraham immediately responded. Okay? The Bible tells us, early next morning, Abraham got up and settled his donkey. Okay? There are many things that we don't want to do with our lives. And we are good in procrastinating. You know, we are pushing it down the long bench. We're saying maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next year. But Abraham had learned to respond quickly and immediately to the call of God. And my question to all of us, are we able to respond to the call of God on our life quickly and immediately? Are we available and are we responding? Are we going to leave everything else aside and we are going to do what God has called us to do? That's the big question. And I think it's important that we personally reflect on that question, okay? So God tested Abraham, and that's the test. Are we available? Are we responding? Are we quickly going to implement what God is telling us to do? So early next morning, Abraham got up and settled his donkey. He did not consult with anybody, not even his wife. Okay? But he heard from God and he had, he had been able to understand, differentiate what is the voice of God and what is the voice of Satan. He, he was not confused. He didn't say, no, this cannot be God. This must be the devil. You know, many of us, we are always saying, no, this must be the devil. He's not God. Okay? It's, it's better, as a child of God, you know the voice of the Father. You know, Jesus said, my 
my sheep hear my voice. Okay? And we need to be able to differentiate the voice of Jesus from the voice of the evil one. Okay? Even when things are very, very tough. And in this case, you know, uh, one could have been forgiven if uh, uh, Abraham would have said, this must be the devil who is asking me such a thing, isn't it? But it was not the devil. And, and Abraham knew it is not the devil, it's God. Okay, so he went to go out and do exactly what God told him. So he took two, uh, with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So the, the obedience of Abraham was not a five minutes dash was not a moment that you have to just be available, but it was a commitment, okay? It was a journey of three days for them to even arrive at that mountain God had spoken to them about, okay? He had to walk together with his son, the servants and the donkey, you know, all the way from wherever he was to this mountain Moriah, which really is the place on which Jesus was eventually crucified. So Abram looked up and he saw the place in the distance and he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, when Abram speaks, these words, he speaks words of faith because he, he heard God say that he should sacrifice his son. So Abraham could have said, when we have worshipped, I will come back to you. But he didn't say that. He said, we will come back. So in other words, he had faith that even so he was willing to give his son away, God will be able to resurrect him back to life again. So he expressed his faith very clearly. So that shows us that he had a good understanding of the nature of Christ. He was not an ignorant person about how God works and how God was unfolding the things that he was doing in his own life. So he believed. And that's why, of course, we call him the father of our faith. And we must learn to believe even through death, God has a way. Amen. Jesus himself says, you know, unless the kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, there will be no harvest. But through the death, something new is going to come about. And so Abraham could confidently say to these servants of his, you know, we go and worship and when we have done our, our work, we will come back. So in other words, he was fully confident that he would come back with his son Isaac on his side. Even so, God said, you must sacrifice your son. That's faith. Now verse 6 says, Genesis 22 verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. 
I can imagine Abraham must have said, please, can you explain something to me? I'm left behind. I, I can't fully understand what is happening here. You know, you, you, you have told us we are going worshiping. We are, we are going up on the mountain. We are going to uh, build an altar to the Lord. But there's one thing I do not understand. And of course, uh, Isaac was a young man who could reason. Isaac was a young man who understood, you know, what it means to sacrifice to the Lord in the Old Testament way. And so he said, the fire, is, the fire and the wood is here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Okay, now, of course, that was a squeeze for Abraham to answer, okay? Because he didn't want to tell him, I'm going to sacrifice you, because that's what God told me. Okay, he could have said this, but he, 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 he was again showing to be a man of faith. And he said to his son, and you read here, he expresses the faith that he had in God. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Ah, what a powerful story. You know, so on several occasions, you see Abraham expressing his faith. We will come back to you. When Isaac said, where is the lamb? He says, God will provide a lamb for the offering, for the sacrifice. And he was right. Okay? He was very right. But in the meantime, even Abraham did not know what the plans of God were. All he knew was that God had told him to sacrifice his son on the altar. Okay? And what we can see in this very action is that God wanted to see, or even, let me say, not only to see for himself, but show Abraham how he had been transformed into the nature of his God. Okay? That's why God tests us, you know? Uh, sometimes when we are going into an examination and you, you ask your, your teacher, good teachers, you know, they they sometimes know you're going to have no problem with this examination. And they know some people, they will fail. Because they know the, the, the students. Okay? But the students, they will not know whether they will make it or not. And so God wanted to show Abraham, you know, how his nature had been transformed into the nature of God. And that's why God tests us. Okay? Sometimes we are very good to, to cheat ourselves. I'm sure you have all heard people say, ah, no, this, this exam, no problem for me. And when the, when the results come back, it's a disaster. Okay? And some other people, they go in and say, oh, it's 50-50. I'm not sure whether I will make it. But they come out with, 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 with flying colors. Okay? So sometimes we, we have difficulties to, uh, to, you know, judge ourselves, to understand who where we're really standing. And that's why God tests us. You know, a test tells you an independent assessment of who you are and where you are. And that's very important. So let me read further, verse 9. When they reached the place God told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. That was the easy part. Building an altar, you know, that is still easy. Putting up the... The firewood on the altar, still easy. But then it became difficult. And the Bible says, 
He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Maybe by this time, Abraham took time to explain to Isaac what God had told him about. And you know, by that time, Abraham was an old man. While Isaac was young and energetic. So Isaac could have easily said, you are not going to put me on this altar. You are not going to put fire on my body. You're not going to kill me. He could have easily overpowered his father and uh, said, whatever you do, do it without me. You understand? But there's not even a single question here because even Isaac was yielding to the will of the father. That's amazing. You know, that's, that is not very common. This is rare today. You know, when, when dad says something is. Am I right? You parents, it's not easy to be a parent in these days. Or am I telling you a story? It's tough, you know. And so there comes this old man. Yes, he's my father, but he's tying me. And before he's tying me, I could have punched him, you know. I could have shown him where the power really was. But Isaac completely yielded to the will of the father. And that's a picture not only of Abraham, because it was not just a test of Abraham, it was also a test of Isaac. Because Isaac, you know, is a, is a reflection of the nature of Christ. When the father said to Jesus, you know, I sent you into this world I love. Lay down your life for the sake of the people who have gone astray. Jesus completely yielded to the Father's will, and he did exactly do that. Isn't that powerful? So Isaac completely yielded to the will of the Father without argument. You don't see any argument here, neither in this scripture nor in any other scripture in the Bible. Is there anything which suggests that Isaac would have refused or would have complained or would have, uh, you know, uh, called it unfair in one way or the other? And, you know, we are so fast today to call other people unfair, you know, being a father, I think you know what it is. You, we hear a lot of things from our children these days. And this is not true for only for natural children. It's true for spiritual children as well. But Abraham did what he was told to do. And Isaac yielded totally to the will of the father. Verse 10. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. You know, I don't know what would have been the emotions in the, in the heart, in the mind, in the, in, the, in the person of Abraham at that moment in time. You know, he takes a knife, not to kill a chicken. Okay, that's a different story. Uh, of course, some of us, we can't even kill chicken, you know. Uh, or not even to kill some other animal, you know, but kill your own flesh and blood, kill your own son. And you know, Abraham was told to do that, and he, he did exactly what God told him to do. He did not hesitate. 
He did not procrastinate. He did not say, okay, let's sleep overnight. Maybe tomorrow God will change his mind. That's what we very often do. If you don't want to, 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 to obey, you're saying, okay, let me sleep over it. Let me hear somebody else. And somebody else will talk you out of uh, uh, listening to, the, to the, 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 the word of God. Abraham heard the voice of God. He did not consult anything or anyone. And he did what God had told him to do. In full obedience. But thank God. He was ready to do what he was told to do. He was about to do it. And then the Bible says in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, praise the Lord. Do you know that the term the angel of the Lord is a description of Christ? Many times in the Old Testament when when the Bible talks about the angel of the Lord. Not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord. It's actually a description of Christ. So in other words, Christ was there, you know, throughout this whole uh, different events that happened from the very moment that God called Abraham, told him to bring his son, you know, all these tests, the Lord was there. And then he said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am, he replied, okay. And the voice from heaven said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. What a powerful word, okay. So God actually didn't want Isaac to die. But it was a test. It was a test of how the nature of Abraham had been changing. You know, how he was now able to reflect the nature of God, the father, who was willing to give his very own son. And he never stopped at the last minute because otherwise he would not have had salvation. But praise God. In Abraham's life, we see that God had changed this man's nature to such an extent that he was reflecting the very values that are found in God himself. The very love that he was, found, was found in God himself. And this is amazing. And this is what God wants us to, to experience in our own lives. You know, God will test us so that gradually, increasingly, you know, more and more, we will become like Christ. And, of course, when God says, now I know, I think God even knew before. But Abraham did not know that he could be able to have changed so much into the nature of his father in heaven, so much into the nature of the Christ who guided him, that he was now really reflecting the very nature of Christ in his life. That's amazing. And God said, I can see that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Okay, Abraham was willing to give his son. And that's exactly what God the Father 
has been willing to do. He was willing to give his son Jesus Christ. And there you can see the nature now has become one-to-one. Okay? Abraham became like the heavenly father. Willing to give his very own son. Now, Isaac could not have saved the world because he was a human being like us. So it needed the son of the living God to come. And that's why God said, okay, I've seen you have uh, passed the test. You have changed your nature. And this nature that we see in Abraham, we still share it today. Thousands of years later, we are seeing the nature of Abraham being transformed, being changed into the nature of the living God. And that's what needs to happen in your life and in my life. Praise God. Abraham looked up. And there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So in other words, when Isaac asked his father along the way, you know, father, I don't understand. You know, we have the firewood, we have the, we have the necessary ingredients, everything is there. But where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord himself will provide. And yes, God did provide. He didn't want Abraham to kill his son Isaac. God provided a ram in the thicket. But in reality, that day, yes, there was a ram in the thicket, but in reality, two thousand, or thousands of years later after Abraham, there was the true Lamb of God who was crucified on that cross, on the same place called Moriah. That's where God said, go there. And that's, you know, where it has been said on the mountain God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. That is uh, the Greek uh, word which means God, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is written here, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And for sure, on that mountain, God provided his son, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, and people said, if you are really the son of God, then prove it and come down. He did not come down. There was no last minute intervention as this. Stop it. Jesus walked down from the cross. No, no, he stayed. He had to stay. He had to die. He had to be in our place, take our judgment. And he was willing to do exactly that. And he prayed for those who crucified him. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. The question is, Is the nature of Christ visible in us as it was and still is through, his, uh, through this wonderful history written in the Word of God? Is 
the nature of Christ visible in us as it was in Abraham. In you, in me. When we are walking around in our world, what, what do we show the world? Do we show the world our anger, our restlessness, our greediness? You know, what do we show the world? Or are we able to show the world the nature of Christ in how we live, in what we do, in how we do it? That's very important for us to answer. And this is a challenge, you know. You know, when tests come, you can't run away and say, okay, I, I'm come to, I come tomorrow. No, you have to write the test. And today a test has come to you. Just like it came to Abraham. And the test is that we ask ourselves, am I displaying the nature of Christ to my family, to my